1: And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today's episode is also brought to you by Brewtown Trading Co. Brewtown Trading is the number one destination in Wisconsin for buying, selling, and trading sports cards and memorabilia. Brewtown, home of the hobby's biggest hits. The Athletics' Matt Schneidman another fellow Syracuse grad, joins the show today for Expert Tuesday to talk about the Packers, their win over the Chicago Bears, and to look forward to their matchup with the Minnesota Vikings in week two. We're going to get to Matt in just a little bit, but before we do, I want to talk a little bit about a piece that I wrote uh, yesterday for Acme Packing Company, and and not just because I wrote it, but because I think it's important to this discussion this week, because once you see the team, once you understand what they are in week one, that's not necessarily what they're always going to be. In fact, in a lot of cases, week one is incredibly deceiving on a number of levels. Now, I think what we saw defensively from the Packers is recreatable, specifically because of the impact, the additions that Brian Gutekunst made in the offseason. I think those guys, if they stay healthy, can continue to play at a high level. The question is going to be health with them. Kevin King, can he stay healthy? Jair, Jair Alexander, can he stay healthy? Uh, you know, Is Kenny Clark going to hold up over the course of a full season now without Mike Daniels there to help shoulder the load on the interior? If they're healthy, though, I think that defense can be really good. Uh, are they going to be that good every week? Probably not, but they have more flexibility than they've had in years past, and I think they they allow Mike Patton... When I was going back and watching the coach's film, what I saw a lot of was him showing five, six, seven-man pressures and then only bringing four, only bringing five, only bringing three at times. And in fact, Lauren Cox, who who hosts Locked on Bears and and who was on the show last week, he tweeted out a clip where the Packers showed pressure and because the Bears didn't know where it was coming from, even a three-man rush got home because of the way it can confuse offensive lines. The question that I think most Packer fans have is what went on with the offense? How much of it was the Bears' defense? How much of it was just traditional week one rust? How much of it was the adjustment to a new scheme? And where do the Packers go from here? Well, what I proffered was the play-action game because when Green Bay went to it, it was extremely productive, but they didn't go to it very often. And I didn't have the the actual data when we discuss this after the game, but we have the numbers now. And Aaron Rodgers was 4-5 or for 84 yards. That's a 118.8 QB rating on play action. That would have been third in the league last year had he done that for the whole season. But they only called play action six times compared to 30 straight drops. Now, how much of that is what Aaron Rodgers is calling and how much of that is what Matt LaFleur is calling? We don't know for sure, but I think a couple things can contribute to us trying to extrapolate an answer here. Number one, uh, Matt LaFleur said they didn't get to a lot of the stuff they wanted to get to because of number one, the lack of the run game. And number two, they were in a lot of down and distances that were not conducive to that. And and this is something I'm going to write about uh, tomorrow is the, the lack of success on first and second down led to a lot of third and longs. Well, how do you get to third and long? You're in second and long. And the play action game is something you can use to get back on track. But what Green Bay did instead was they tried to they tried to line up in more traditional formations and get those chunk plays and get you know try and get back on track a little bit. That was what Matt Lafleur called it. And we we discussed this a little bit yesterday. But the numbers are startling. So there there's that four or five for eighty four yards. Okay, and then fourteen of twenty five on straight drops for one hundred nineteen yards. And an 81.9 QB rating. Now, that that was also the lone touchdown. But you look at that. That means four of the five sacks came on straight drops. And they also came on third down, by the way. That's not great. Now, this is something that has been going on with the Packers for a couple years. But we expected Matt LaFleur to bring a different vibe. They just didn't do it. Now, you look at Marcus Mariota who was Matt LaFleur's quarterback last year, they used play action on almost 30% of their dropbacks last season. Well, on Thursday was 16.7%. And that's below what Green Bay was last year at 20.1%. That means they are below a Mike McCarthy offense that was already behind the times in terms of using the play action game. And, I need to make this abundantly clear because it is still something that I hear a lot from from people on Twitter, but there is tons, gobs, reams, stacks of compelling evidence to suggest you do not need to run the ball effectively to have an effective play action game. And we have tons of examples of teams who were not great running the ball, but had great play action games. Because of execution, because of play design, and because of you know the quarterback and the receiver and everyone doing their job the way that they're supposed to do it. Because the fake works, because the situation works, because it breaks tendencies. I mean, there's so many other reasons. It doesn't just have to be Zeke Elliott. I mean, to wit, the Cowboys were effective on play action when Tony Pollard was in the game. No one's afraid of Tony Pollard. As nice a preseason story as he was. So... It, you, if you're the packers you have to keep calling this and you have to you have to up it now what is more important maybe even than that because you're still at the top end only going to call this 30 percent of the time you know on the high end 35 percent of the time but that even seems pretty high so what what are you going to do the rest of the time well you have to find things that work well what you also have to do is be more effective on first and second down I went through and looked at every third down the Packers had. Of their 12 third downs, only one was four yards or fewer. One third down of four yards or fewer. They had third and 10 twice. Third and 15, third and 17, third and 12. That's brutal. And they got sacked Three times on third down, they had one third down, they, they got via penalty, so they really only converted one third down all day. Part of that is because you're dealing with third and longs. I mean, when you have you have five of third and 10 plus, almost half of all your third downs are third and 10 plus, you're not going to convert those against an average defense, much less a really, really good defense that is dominating your offensive line and creating problems for your quarterback. This offense had a lot of problems in week one. We're going to find out if those problems are intractable, if they are schematic, if they are philosophical, if they are personnel. And I'm including Aaron Rodgers in that. We're not going to find out this week necessarily, but we're going to find out over the course of this season, I think. And and potentially next season, if, if things don't turn around, I think they'll turn around to some degree no matter what, just because you don't play the Bears every week. But this is something that has to be an essential part of this offense's development. And it has to be something that Aaron Rodgers gets on board with that he has to be more effective with. But it is true, though. I watched the game as it went on, and Rodgers got more comfortable. He seemed to be more decisive, more accurate. And it was simply the case that they were in some third and not manageables. They didn't get many possessions in the second half. Uh, and And so they were just... A little bit out of sync. This is another opportunity for Minnesota for them to get back on track to get, you know, more in sync. The problem is Minnesota's defense is also really, really, really good. And before we get to Matt Schneidman of the athletic, Let's talk about DoorDash. Long day at work? Still stuck at the office? Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered right to you wherever you are. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. Today's episode is also brought to you by MyBookie. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course, you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not Betting on them. That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast. It's easy. And when you win, they pay. Let's face it. Where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. So do the smart thing. Go to my bookie. They have live in-game betting. The best player perk system in the business and you can even bet on fantasy football scoring right now you can use the promo code locked on to activate a double deposit bonus offer that's right they will double your first deposit with the promo code locked on go to mybookie.ag where you play you win and you get paid all right let's get to match neidman he is the Green Bay packers beat writer of record At The Athletic, you can follow him on Twitter at Matt Schneidman, which I think you can spell on your own. He's done great work, really hit the ground running on the Packers beat. Matt, thanks for joining Locked on Packers.
0: Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
1: So I want to start a couple months ago because you have a unique perspective, certainly among our listeners. And for me, because you get to come in and view this Packers team with fresh eyes coming over having covered the Raiders and and escaping what would be uh, quite the drama filled couple months uh, doing that um, but you know maybe not an escape in that in that case that could probably be fun. but so when you got to Green Bay and you got a chance to watch this team to be around this team, was there anything that initially stood out to you that surprised you anything like that?
0: I wouldn't say anything that, that surprised me. I mean, for me, it's just the difference of where I'm living. I mean, I've been living in the Bay Area in California the last two years and, and Green Bay to me is like, and you know this being from Syracuse, it's like a college town, but instead of the crappy Syracuse football team, there's an NFL team here. It just feels like everyone here, uh, on game day, everyone here goes to the, to the Packers games and, and I really like kind of the feel of, of the town I would say that's the the main thing that stuck out to me um obviously that's different than living in San Francisco and Oakland but uh I like it well
1: you traded one Bay Area for another
0: yes absolutely and I will say this Bay Area is way less expensive <laughs>
1: Well, I would I would definitely hope so. So uh, Thursday night, we, we have you know this small sample size now to, to evaluate the Packers uh, and, and sort of put together our thoughts on what they are. And, and, you know, you put together what I thought was a really good group of thoughts about the game. Uh, as you as you look back on it, we've had some sort of time to digest, um, you know, maybe rewatch. Uh, what are you, What were your big takeaways, maybe your your top-line takeaways from what we saw on Thursday in the Packers' 10-3 win over Chicago?
0: I would say my biggest takeaway was because they won the defensive additions in free agency, especially how big of an immediate impact they had. Zedarius Smith, I think, played the best out of anyone on either team. Preston Smith had a couple of sacks, including the official game clincher there late in the fourth quarter. Adrian Amos had had the interception in the end zone, and and Brian Gutekunst, who was sitting right above me in the press box there in Chicago, they were pumped. And and right so, he looks like a genius uh, because of those three guys that he signed. Not much so with Billy Turner, but um, those three guys on defense, the Packers look like they actually have a defense. And, you know, Kenny Clark was his usual dominant self. Darnell Savage was flying around the field. And if the Packers can continue... Uh, playing like they did against the Bears. Listen, I know it's Mitchell Trubisky. I know the Bears don't have a great offense. But, hey, they finished ninth in the NFL in points per game last year with, with the same quarterback, uh, most of the same players. Yes, I know yep. um, their defense did most of the heavy lifting, but they still have some competent offensive pieces. So uh, I was really impressed with the Packers' defense.
1: Yeah, I think the, the defense certainly is is the standout. That leaves us questions with the offense, right? Because Aaron Rodgers did not look comfortable for most of the first quarter, really most of the first half, aside from that one drive. And it sort of, I think it left a lot of fans. It certainly left me shaking my head. Going where was the team that that we were promised when Matt Lafleur was hired, and that was a team that wanted to commit to the run game, that wanted to play this different kind of way, that wanted to go so heavy with play action, and and what we got and what we saw was something that more closely resembled, I think, what what we saw last year. What were what were your impressions of what you saw from Aaron Rodgers in this offense?
0: Yeah, I don't know how much just you know working out the kinks. I wouldn't say uh, it's has anything to do with not playing in the preseason um Mm -hmm. i honestly think like the guard play was was a big hindrance in the game i mean billy turner and lane taylor Mm -hmm. were not good turner more so in the passing game taylor more so in the running game um david bakhtiari wasn't great outside blocking khalil mack gave up a couple pressures had two holds which i believe is how many uh, he had all of last season. Brian Bulaga was fantastic. He, yep. he was really the only one on the offensive line. It's good. Corey Lindsley gave up, I believe, three pressures. So the offensive line has to be a lot better. And, you know, Rodgers didn't look as comfortable as we've come to expect handling blitzes. And, obviously, the Bears' defensive front is probably the best in the NFL. Um, mm. Packers are going to face another good one in the Vikings next week. And, and I mean, Eventually, if the Packers want to be serious Super Bowl contend, which you know we'll see if they can be here in a couple weeks, it doesn't matter who, who. It can't be like oh, the Bears are great, the Vikings are great. That's an excuse. You just have to like play well against these really good defensive teams. So, um, I was obviously unimpressed by the offense. Um, the big and Lafleur and Rodgers have talked about this in the past days. And the huddle quickly to the line of scrimmage. I think we all saw on Sunday night uh, a lot of snaps being taken late in the play clock. What one came out to me where um, it was after a change of possession, they had to take a timeout, which just shows, you know, coming off the sideline, you, you basically have a timeout a change of possession and you still can't get a snap off. Like the the operation from LaFleur sending the play call into Rodgers and, and the huddle to snap Time really has to be decreased that really has to be more efficient so we'll see if they can get those things cleaned up I mean I think we expected first game jitters maybe not as many as we saw but uh I'll reserve judgment on the whole operation for another one or two weeks
1: yeah it's that fine line right of like oh yeah the, the Bears are good the Vikings are good well if you look at their schedule it's tough to find a Patsy front four group that they have to face. I mean, they have a lot of really good defensive fronts that they're going to have to see. They're going to have to get the blocking part of this cleaned up, especially with Aaron Rodgers back there. And I want to ask you about that because Lane Taylor was in a fight for his job in the preseason with the second round pick Elton Jenkins. And it seemed like Jenkins played pretty well. And it seems like from an athletic standpoint, he is a better fit for what Matt LaFleur wants to be and what he wants to do with his linemen. So, I mean, how long do you think the leash is for someone like Lane Taylor? And, and if he struggles again in week two, are are we going to start hearing, oh, Elton Jenkins is getting first-team reps uh, in, in practice?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think about it this way. Would Elton Jenkins have done any better against the Bears in his first career NFL game? Probably not. Um, yeah, probably not. Would he do any better against the Vikings? Probably not. I mean, would I be surprised if at some point in the first half of the season Elton Jenkins took over that? that left guard job. No, um, it was very clear that it was a close gig, um, because of Matt LaFleur saying, you know, it was basically up until right before the last preseason game where LaFleur declared Lane take at the starter. So, probably, and I think we, the, from the draft that there was going to be a competition. You don't take an offensive lineman in the second round unless, you know, you're going to play him relatively soon. So, I wouldn't be surprised, especially if Lane Taylor keeps playing like he did on on Thursday, if Elton Jenkins um, takes over sometime here in the near future.
1: All right, we'll get back to Matt in just a second. But before we do, let's talk about Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Listen up, Packer fans. Here is your opportunity to win free tickets to the Bears-Packers game week 15. This game could be for the division, and Brewtown Trading Co. wants to send you and a buddy for free, Brewtown is your number one destination in Wisconsin for buying, selling, and trading sports cards and memorabilia. Here is how to enter. You can go to Brewtown's store on 76th and Cold Spring, just off 894 in Greenfield to receive five entries to win when you mention Locked on Packers. While you're there, check out the shop. They're always stocked with the hottest releases of wax from Tops, Panini, and Upper Deck. Plus, they're always interested in your unwanted sports cards and memorabilia. They're always having events. So follow their social accounts for the latest schedule. Use the Locked On Packers hashtag on the Brewtown Facebook page or on Twitter for another free entry to win tickets. Not local? Check out their live breaks on Facebook or have them ship product directly to your house. Again, Brewtown Trading Co. located just off 894 at 76th and Cold Spring in Greenfield and on Facebook and Twitter, Brewtown, home of the hobby's biggest hits. Yeah, and and speaking of the draft, when you look around the league on Sunday, what you saw was a lot of teams getting early success from their rookie receivers. Hollywood Brown had a big day, AJ Brown DK Metcalf showed some stuff. TJ Hawkinson had a historic day for the Lions. When you look at what Green Bay is putting out there at the skill positions, you know, there were a lot of people, myself included, who thought they might take a receiver in the draft. They didn't. They stood pat. And, you know, we didn't see anything really from Geronimo Allison. We didn't see much at all from Jake Kumaro. They got some, some encouraging production from their tight ends. But even Devontae Adams was pretty quiet. How do you think – I mean, how how would you assess what we saw from the skill position players on Thursday?
0: Yeah, I mean, the one positive I will say is – I don't want to say the reemergence, but maybe the reemergence of the ten in the passing game. You know, Mercedes was almost – he had four targets all of last season. He had three alone um, on Thursday night. Yep. Graham caught the only touchdown after. He was invisible last season under Mike McCarthy, you know. Tanyan had a big 28-yard catch, I believe it was, on that field goal drive in the fourth quarter. Um, receiver-wise, mm-hmm. I was surprised to see Geronimo Allison only get one target and no catches. Um, I, I was expecting the running back to be involved in the game a little bit more. And yeah, I mean, Devontae Adams, at one point he was triple covered. You can't do anything about that, Yeah. (laughs) but I would expect a little more, and that was a big question this offseason, this preseason, who's going to step up behind him. Um, I know, although Scantling had that one big 47-yard catch, but outside that, the guys behind Devontae Adams didn't really do much, you know, consistently. I know Davis, Tanyan had had those uh, catches on that field goal drive, but... Other than that, we're still waiting to see some guys step up behind Devontae Adams, and it's going to need to happen because uh, other teams will see what the Bears did to Devontae Adams. I believe to limit him to only four catches and double teaming, even triple teaming him. Other guys are going to have to step up. So, so that the jury's still out on who those one, two, three guys are going to be.
1: Yeah, and and you know, as I went back and watched it again, I'm wondering, okay, how much of this is you know execution as a result of you know the the lack of, of continuity in this offense how much is going to change as this offense moves forward because again we didn't see a lot of the play action stuff that was supposed to be a hallmark of the Matt LaFleur offense we didn't see the tempo that say you know the Rams played with when Matt LaFleur was OC and so i guess my question for you and and you know your your guess is maybe as good as mine at this point but from your perspective how much of of what we saw was just a function of you know great defense versus you know the the evolution of this offense versus you know just rust in terms of this isn't the team that we're going to see maybe four or five six eight ten weeks from now
0: yeah probably just rust I mean I would say I wouldn't jump to too many conclusions after Week One, especially against the Bears. I'm sure will be a lot of play action, and part of the reason you can't get the play action going is because you couldn't get the run game going. I mean, Aaron Jones, who led the league in in yards per carry five and a half last year, and he only had three yards per carry. I think it was in carries thirty nine yards. Jamal Williams had five carries, no yards. So, if you can't get the run game going, you're not going to get the play action game going. So, uh, if and they didn't get the run game going till the third quarter, I believe it was. So you get that established in the first and second quarter to to set up that play action. And I think that might take a while just because of uh, the opponents that they have. I mean, they have the those who have a really good defense, the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Vikings. Those are that, their next four games. Like, all four of those teams could be playoff teams feasibly. Uh, but like I said, at, at some point it's just, doesn't matter, but yeah, they're going more to set up that play action.
1: So it's still early in preparation for the Minnesota Vikings, but just as we we stand here early in the week, what do you what do you think will change? What do you think needs to change for Green Bay to beat the Vikings on Sunday? Because Minnesota looked pretty impressive on in Week One. Um, they created turnovers. They ran the ball extremely well, and, and they made Atlanta look like a soft team, if we're being honest. So so what what needs to change? What do you expect to change this week?
0: I don't know if this needs to change because the Packers weren't exactly tested, but, I mean, the Kings ran the ball just down the Falcons' throats. Kirk Cousins only threw 10 passes. Um, Tariq Cohen, David Montgomery, Mike Davis didn't really test. The, the Packers in the run game, but uh, I really expect Dalvin Cook to do that. So we were talking to Kenny Clark that, they, you know, he watched the entire game just to see what they're going up against. And he knows Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison, the, they have there. Um, they're going to run it down their throats. And, and I would expect them to probably throw more passes, but uh, why go away from what we're, Falcons aren't a bad defensive team per se, but the Vikings made them look like a bad defensive team. So there was a lot of outside zone that the Vikings used uh, right out of the Matt Lafleur playbook, um, so they really have to look out for for Dalvin Cook and, and that Brio up front of of Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster, who more than Montrevius Adams, and and we're going to need to see some hard edges set by by the outside linebackers if if the Packers want to stay undefeated.
1: Yeah, really interesting subplot here is this is one of those teacher master situations. Even though Gary Kubiak is not calling the plays in Minnesota. He is part of the architect and designer of this offense, and he is the one that that basically helped Matt Lafleur cut his teeth in the NFL. So that's going to be something to to watch here as well, because Matt knows the ins and outs of this offense as well as anyone, right?
0: Absolutely, and we asked him about Gary Kubiak today, and he said, you know, even though he, he's not the play caller for the Vikings, you can definitely see uh, some similarities and resemblances to what the Packers run just because from Gary.
1: All right, Matt, uh, I appreciate you taking the time. Let my listeners know where they can find more of the work that you are doing.
0: Just on The Athletic. Hope you're subscribing. I'm on Twitter at Matt Schneidman. I won't spell it. Hopefully uh, it's easy enough to spell, <laughs> but uh, appreciate you having me on, Peter. Great to always talk to a, a former Syracuse guy and someone that follows up very closely.
1: Yeah, I don't know what happened to our boys on Saturday, but uh, let, the, oh the God, less said about that, the better, batted. I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, I yeah, thought they not were the best. Yeah, I thought they were going to go into Clemson undefeated, but apparently not.
1: Well, maybe that's better for them. They go in a little <laughs> bit more into the radar than they would exactly. have been otherwise. But I think either way, Trevor Lawrence is going to pick them apart. Uh, Matt, I appreciate you taking the time today, and we'll uh, we'll definitely catch you on the Athletic. Go subscribe. Uh, be willing to pay for good content. I say it all
0: the time. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Peter. Really appreciate it.
1: All right. I want to thank Matt for joining the show. Crossover Wednesday tomorrow with the Minnesota Vikings as we get set to preview this enormous week two matchup with the Minnesota Vikings. The Packers, it's not a must win game per se, but when you play a division rival, someone that you think you are going to be in contention for a playoff spot with at home, you need to win these games. It's your home opener. You need to win these games. It is another opportunity to test your offense against a really good defense. And it is another opportunity to test your defense against a potentially vulnerable offense. According to Pro Football Focus, this Vikings offensive line as as pass protectors were one of the worst groups in the league in week one. Now that's just 10 attempts. So that magnifies whatever issues there are. But this Green Bay front should be licking its chops to go against Minnesota. They're going to test themselves. This is a more talented offense than what the Bears have, but you would expect the Bears to have better scheme. What happened on Thursday was Mike Pettin stitched a chicken suit for Mitch Trubisky and outcoached Matt Nagy. I mean, truly, there's no other way to put it. He outcoached Matt Nagy. Can he outcoach Gary Kubiak, the former mentor of Matt LaFleur, someone who runs a lot of similar offensive schemes and certainly run, run game stuff? that the Packers do. Matt LaFleur knows Gary Kubiak, who is not the play caller, but is a, a heavy hand in play design and in philosophy. So this is gonna be a fascinating matchup and to some degree, a contrast of styles in the same style. It's re- it's really fascinating because the Vikings wanna play old school, smash mouth football and the Packers wanna play essentially an updated version of it. So we'll see which side prevails. We'll get that on Wednesday, that, that discussion. About the Vikings and then the scouting report on the players specifically on Thursday, an injury report on Friday with our live broadcast, our video broadcast. Be sure to check that out. You can also follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you find podcasts. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775 to stay Locked On Packers.